tap, tap in. You're listening to Pulse Radio with Randall and Shelby, the heart of the culture. going on everybody this is randall barnes the host of pulse radio in the building for another special edition of the pulse radio broadcast on today and this is an incredibly special edition because i'm going to do a reaction a raw visceral reaction to the nba action from opening night on last night i was one for two in my picks so far for opening week if you listen to my color cast simulcast that I posted on yesterday, you would know that I did a whole prediction list for opening week. And I was right about the Bucks winning, although I was wrong about the margin. So I guess I'm 0.5 out of two, but I was wrong about the Lakers. And oh my gosh, I think I'm wrong about a lot on the Lakers. I think I'm wrong about a whole entire lot, but we'll get to that in a second. We're going to go in order. But first, I need you all to follow me on ColorCast. All right. Colorcast is a brand new app that allows you to chat about basketball, football, hockey, any sports you want in real time with sports fans that are super cool and ingratiating and also your friends. And you can watch in real time. The delays and all that bad. If you're listening to someone on Colorcast, you can sync your Colorcast audio up to match what you see on TV you can make a lot of new friends, new acquaintances. It's like ColorCast is such a fun community. It's not toxic. And, and that's something my brother said because my brother's on ColorCast with me. It's not toxic. It's super fun. They'll hop in, interact with you, hop out. It's a lot of other folks that do their casting. You hop in the hot seat. You can debate, you know, different sports topics. It's really cool. And I have a radio show on ColorCast. It's called the Pulse Sports NBA Update. And what you heard on yesterday was the simulcast of that show. So I need you all to make sure that on Thursdays at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time that you tune into the Pulse Sports NBA update and tap and tap in. You can join the hot seat or you can be my co-caster and we can talk about the news in the NBA that's going on that day and also react to some games because, boy, I'm going to give you all some reaction. Let's start with the Brooklyn Nets versus the NBA champion, Milwaukee Bucks. First and foremost, that ring ceremony was amazing. That ring ceremony, man, I, I want to cry, man, Like, because that was so special. And first and foremost, we didn't get a chance to see a real ring ceremony with the Lakers on last year because of the pandemic, and they weren't allowing fans in the stands. So to see, you know, the Bucks arena filled up and all those folks outside and just the music, the hanging of the banner, the joy on the players' faces. They deserve that. And I'm going to make a big point about super teams this episode. Just seeing the Bucks win as a old-school, like homegrown team, you grow from the draft, you make good selections, you make timely trades that aren't like superstar trades, but you get pieces around your superstar that complement 
him and it fits. I like the Bucks and I like the way that they're constructed. I still believe that losing P.J. Tucker is going to affect them heavily as you go deeper into the season, especially the playoffs. Now, with P.J. Tucker not being there, you couldn't really see it yesterday. Kevin Durant scored 32 points. I don't think P.J. Tucker would have deterred him for that, but I, I think that he would have pestered Kevin Durant and made it harder for him and maybe got Kevin Durant more out of his game because Kevin Durant did seem to be out of sorts a bit, and it seemed as if he was still in preseason form trying to get warmed up. But we're going to see later on this week because the 76ers actually play the Heat, and we're going to see P.J. Tucker play his championship teammates. I looked at that game from the Brooklyn Nets, and my initial reaction was that they were off. Like, they were playing like it was still preseason. Like, the Nets lost 127 to 104, and people are going to continue to say, oh, if Kyrie was there, they would have won, and Kyrie would have put up 30 points, would have had five assists, he would have done all these different things. The glaring stats that I'm looking at and what I saw with my eyes as I watched the game is that the Bucs won the assist battle, they won the rebound battle, and they were able to force 12 turnovers from the Nets. Those stats are important because Kyrie isn't traditionally a passer. Kyrie can pass. He can give you a nice fancy alley-oop pass. He can give you a nice fancy no-look-behind-the-back pass. But James Harden has more pure point ability than Kyrie. Kyrie is not going to be able to lock down Giannis, who finished with 32 points and 14 rebounds. He's not going to be able to stop Chris Middleton, who finished with 20 points. I don't think he would have stopped Grayson Allen, who had 10 points and hit three three-pointers. Kyrie's not going to help you in rebounding. Kyrie's not going to help you in defense. And I believe that the turnovers probably would have been worse if Kyrie was on the court. Now, you can argue that Kyrie's a good ball handler and he would have had the ball in his hand. He would have secured it. But I think I can argue that Kyrie would have turned the ball over maybe three or four extra times to give them 15, 16 turnovers instead of 12 to the Bucs, seven turnovers. And I look at the offensive rebounds for the Bucs. They got 13 offensive rebounds. And most of those offensive rebounds they got were taken back for a score. And rebound, uh, the rebounding statistic is a sign of effort. And that is what Brooklyn lacked. It's not Kyrie. I think maybe the, the mental haze and the distraction of Kyrie not playing, I believe that that did play a little bit of a factor. But if we're talking about the game on the court, I promise you it did. I promise you it did. The Bucks were on 10. They had a championship swagger. Giannis went out there. He was going after it. He was hitting those jump shots. I think Giannis is going to be an average jump shooter this year. And him just being average, boy, that's going to be dangerous for the league. That's going to be dangerous. Because if Giannis really gets in his bag and in his flow and starts hitting three-pointers, now you can't play off of him. And now you can't build a wall because if you give him a gap, he'll shoot it. Now it's a wrap. Especially if he gets a reliable mid-range jumper. Because you're not blocking that shot. Because he's almost like KD, but his arms are longer. So if he finds a way to get a shot off, you're not going to be able to stop it. Giannis was almost unstoppable. And the fact that Giannis wasn't in midseason form, that's scary. Kevin Durant had 32 points. I don't think it was quiet. It just wasn't flashy. The way that Giannis plays, Giannis runs to the hole. 
he'll dunk on you. Although Giannis didn't have a lot of impressive, you know, dunks last night. I think he had one that was cool, but he had like a real good block on Claxton. He had one block. I was like, he blocked the air out the ball. Welcome back to the NBA season. It is on and popping. Like Giannis is back. But Kevin Durant scoring is more so efficient than flashy. And last night, it wasn't quiet. It just wasn't flashy. James Harden was, was turning up. But I'll give James Harden this. James Harden, I believe he had 20 points, eight rebounds, eight assists. I believe that James Harden will be able to adapt to the new era of playing where you can't foul bait. You can't push yourself into a player and draw fouls. You can't kick your leg and draw a foul. I think that James Harden is going to be perfectly fine adjusting because now instead of trying to flail his arms and sell the call, he's going to actually get you up in the air and make the shot and try to get open. And he did that a lot. He had like three step back three-pointers. I think when James Harden starts cooking, he's going to be perfectly fine, but they play too much iso ball for me. I don't like, hey, James Harden's cooking, then Kevin Durant's cooking. I don't like that. Like how the Warriors played against the Lakers last night, they played team ball. If the Nets can play team ball, then we could see them look dangerous. But the team that they have is trash. Patty Mills was playing amazing. Patty Mills is in Olympics form. Like, Patty Mills don't normally play like this. Patty Mills had 21 points and made seven three-pointers. All of his field goals were three-pointers. Patty Mills doesn't normally play like that during the NBA season. If they can get that type of productivity from Patty Mills as Kyrie sits out and decides not to get vaccinated, it's a totally different ballgame. I don't understand why Steve Nash didn't play Bruce Brown I think that Bruce Brown could help them a bit on defense. And also, Bruce Brown is an effort guy. I think that Bruce would have given them some energy because they needed a shot of energy because they just looked lethargic. And Blake Griffin, the Marcus Aldridge, who I'm scared for yourself, like legitimately, no joke, Joe Harris a bit, and also, God, I'm trying to think, they have a lot of older players. Like, all their older players look pretty rough. And Joe Harris had nine points. He made three three-pointers. I need a little bit more from him. I need a little bit more. I need a little bit more from Joe Harris because just getting just getting three three-pointers on five attempts, that ain't enough. Paul Millsap, no points. Trash. LaMarcus Aldridge, one point. Trash. Blake Griffin, had six points. He started the game. Had six points. Trash. They contributed nothing at all to you winning. Nothing. You got them because they were big names. But their best days have passed them. And they might have a 20-point game here, a 30-point game there. I think Blake does guard Giannis well. But you should have built a team based around what the players actually can do instead of trying to build a team on the cheap with players that are a step into retirement. Like, they're a year, maybe this this next year, they're going to retire. They're just trying to chase a ring one last time. The only player that they acquired this offseason that really balled was Patty Mills. Nicholas Claxton had 12 points, but you got to make, brother, you got to make, make your free throws. 
You can't Ben Simmons the game out here. You gotta make your you gotta make your free throws because he started the game. He missed two free throws to start the game. Nick Claxton is gonna have to step up, especially in the absence of Kyrie Irving. I really like the Nets before they tried to make this super team. When they had Karis LeVert, they had Jared Allen, they had Spencer Dinwiddie. Right now, the Nets are James Harden, Kevin Durant, and a couple of guys. Like, the Nets cannot play YMCA pickup ball and think they're going to win a championship. That ain't how it works. Now, granted, oftentimes, you get your big max players, you get your three max players, and you sign folks on minimum deals, but the guys you sign can barely get up the court. Paul Millsap scored zero points and had three rebounds. LaMarcus Aldridge is six foot 11. Even if he doesn't score, give me six or seven rebounds. He had three in 15 minutes to play. Paul Millsap only played five minutes. Bruce Brown only plays three minutes, and that's at the end of the game. The Nets look concerning, and not because of Kyrie Irving. Now, I believe that this is going to wake them up and they're going to give a good game and a good effort against Philadelphia on Friday because that's their next national game. But this is concerning. And the problem is not Kyrie. And I think at this point what they need to do, they need to do a reverse James Harden trade. They need to try to trade Kyrie Irving since he's not going to play and he always causes issues. They need to trade Kyrie Irving with the blessing of Kevin Durant and James Harden so it won't be no... No crazy stuff going on. They need to trade Kyrie for a big that can defend, particularly build him to defend Giannis and Embiid. They need to get a pure point that can allow James Harden to play off the ball because James can't play the point, but that can allow him to play off the ball, bring Joe Harris off the bench. Now you have a shooter coming off the bench. They need to build their bench. They need to get rid of a lot of these old pieces. I think they need to just tell LaMarcus Aldridge, listen, we love you, brother, but you got to go. They need to get rid of Paul Millsap. They need to get some younger guys that can actually get out here and rebound and give effort and defend. And they need like a Jared Allen-type player back. Because, man, playing Nick Claxton and Blake Griffin in the starting lineup, Embiid is going to feast on Friday. Anthony Davis is going to feast when they play him on Christmas Day. If y'all don't make no moves, like, this isn't sustainable. Like, this one's our thing of I'm going to overwhelm the off, I'm going to overwhelm the offense by having Kyrie Irving and James Harden and Kevin Durant. I promise you that's not sustainable. And that's the one thing I don't like about the super team concept is that you try to get just three great players or four great players, but you're not trying to build the team and stack the team. And oftentimes a super team will lose against a well-constructed team. The Warriors were the outlier because the Warriors were not a super team before KD got there. The Warriors were just, a, to me, a well-built, well-constructed team. The Warriors drafted well. They signed good free agents that worked in their system. And they made trades that worked, that worked within what they were building, which was a high-octane shooting offense, motion, play with joy, move the ball around. That was the offense that they were building. So Mo Spades, Andre Iguodala, Leandro Bar Barbosa, like Sean Livingston, like those players fit the rotation of what Steve Kerr and Joe Lacob, what they were trying to do with that team. When Kevin Durant got there, 
Kevin Durant joined an already established team that was built from the ground up. That's what made him so dangerous. The Heat struggled out the gate. 9-8 and eight to start the 2010-2011 NBA season. The reason why was because you just had LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, and a bunch of dudes. But at the very least, LeBron was able to make it fit because LeBron was able to facilitate. Chris Bosh could step out and shoot. You have three ball-dominant players, and while James Harden is able to, to facilitate, Kevin Durant needs his touches, Kyrie needs his touches, and to get James Harden, you depleted your front court and you depleted your bench, and you're saying, you know what? Let me get these old names that are close to retirement. That ain't going to work. And this is the reason why I believe that the Heat in the East, the Bucks, the Jazz, teams that have deep rosters, I think the Hawks are pretty deep. The Bulls are pretty deep. I like their, I like their alignment and how they were able to keep Zach Levine, acquire Vucevic, and then you have DeMar DeRozan and Lonzo that joined the fold. The Bulls are going to be interesting. I think that we have grown past the super team era because I believe that these super teams are going to lose to teams that have a set game plan and that are well-constructed, which leads me to the Los Angeles Lakers game of the night. I was ready for this game. The Lakers at first, they were playing like they wanted it. They were playing like they wanted to win the NBA championship. LeBron was out there in rare form because normally during opening night, especially in later years, LeBron doesn't turn up like that. LeBron will get his points, get his shots. But LeBron normally plays facilitator. He'll try to get AD going. He'll try to get his other guys going on opening night. But last night, LeBron was hitting pull-up three-pointers, hitting three-pointers behind screens, pulling up on folks, dunking on people, blocking people. Like LeBron was going in, he ended up with 32 points and 11 rebounds. Then Anthony Davis turned up. Anthony Davis had 30 points, 11 rebounds. But Russ, y'all can't see me right now, but I'm covering my eyes. Russ had eight points, five rebounds, four assists. And let me let me correct. LeBron had 34 points, 11 rebounds. Anthony Davis had 33 points, 11 rebounds. Russ, Russ really had six. He scored like a basket at, at the end of the game when the game was already over. He scored like a nice little quick layup to get to eight points. But that was a horrible showing by Russ. If Russ scores, I'll say 15, 16 points, it's a closer game. Because you got to realize that the Warriors won 121 to 114. They won by seven. So if... Russ, if Russ just gets, if, if Russ gets 15, 16 points, if Russ maybe gets like a couple more assists, they win the game, especially if it's on three-pointers. The Lakers look good. I, like, don't listen to Lakers fans that say, oh, woe is me, everything is so bad, and oh my gosh. Like, don't listen to those Lakers fans because the Lakers looked impressive. They had great pacing. LeBron looked amazing. Anthony Davis was dominating. He was looking in midseason form. LeBron was facilitating. Carmelo had flashes of brilliance. I love the Avery Bradley re-signing. And I hope that Avery Bradley gets a guaranteed contract because that's what you need. And I know Taylor Horton Tucker, that's the future. 
I understand you have Kendrick Nunn that's coming back. I understand Trevor Reese is going to be out for six to eight weeks. But Avery Bradley is more what you need. Because Avery Bradley can defend. He will lock whoever, whatever guard you need locked up. He will lock them up. He can play some wings. And then on top of all of that, he can score. Avery Bradley comes in the game and NBA Twitter is trying to roast him. Why do they need Avery Bradley? Why is Avery Bradley coming in the game? Avery Bradley came off the bench. Avery Bradley, think about it. Avery Bradley wasn't even supposed to play. Like, they did not play Avery Bradley until the fourth quarter. Avery Bradley played eight minutes. And the, and the totality of that eight minutes was probably like in the fourth quarter. Avery Bradley comes in and he gives you two three-pointers. And he made the game interesting. Like, yeah, he honestly made the game interesting. And then he had he was defending Steph well. They they tried to put him on Jordan Poole, but what the what the Warriors did, they were switching Bradley off Jordan Poole. And that's when the problem started happening because you had Bradley on Bielisa, and Bielisa is, I think, a couple inches taller than Bradley. He was able just to post him up and shoot over Bradley. Remember, Avery Bradley's still six foot three, great defender, but he's still six foot three. So you run Bradley off screens, you get Jordan Poole on a whole other player. You have Carmelo Anthony out there, and Carmelo Anthony is not, to me, a terrible defender. I think Carmelo Anthony, when he tries, he can defend, but he's not the guy I want defending Jordan Poole, who killed preseason, and it looks like he's going to be torching defenses in the regular season. That's not what I wanted. I honestly hate that the Lakers blew a masterful LeBron James-Anthony Davis game. Blew it. They straight blew it. Masterful game. LeBron James does not normally do this on opening night. But Russ just eight points. And they were building a wall in that paint. Like, Russ couldn't do a thing. Like, Russ couldn't even shoot. Like, Russ couldn't even try. Like, they did a Giannis Antetokounmpo wall in the paint. They tried the same thing for LeBron, but LeBron started picking him apart with the passing. And then LeBron started just shooting over him. Like, you trying to build a wall to stop me from driving? I'm just going to shoot over you. And I think LeBron is going to get better with his three-pointer. I think his his percentage of three-pointers is going to be higher. I think his shot looks way more fluid. He has to fix his free throws because the Nets left a lot of points at the line, but the Lakers in a close game, you can't leave all those points at the line, man. You cannot. Because LeBron missed a technical three, like a technical free throw, because he got whacked in the face. He laid down on the ground for a couple, a couple of minutes, and then the refs reviewed it. They determined it was a flagrant run. LeBron missed the flagrant foul free throws, and then Carmelo Anthony's gonna pump fake a free throw. He's shacking the fool. He's shacking the fool. That is going right on shacking the fool on Thursday, boy. Thank you, Carmelo, <laughs> for making shacking the fool. Carmelo's, Carmelo's free throws were buffering. That could have been an extra point. That could have led to you coming back. It could have been one extra point that gets you closer to making a comeback. I think Rondo's fine in the offense, but you don't need to play Westbrook and Rondo together. And not even because Westbrook is a bad shooter, why don't you have Westbrook as the primary ball handler? I don't understand Westbrook being the off guard. I think Westbrook 
can do his thing if he's a slasher. But the way that the Warriors constructed their defense, they were able to contain Westbrook and make sure he could not get any success in the paint. And when he caught the ball, they just collapsed on him. And then on top of that, they were doing what we all that we what we all thought they would do, and what a lot of people said they would do. And they were saying this is the reason why the Westbrook pairing doesn't work with LeBron and AD, is they were playing off of Westbrook, and they were trying to double on Anthony Davis, although Anthony Davis was still hitting shots, and they were able to play another man on LeBron. I'm telling you, man, I don't know. I really don't. Anthony Davis and LeBron were the only players in double figures. Carmelo Anthony had nine points. We had Malik Monk with six points, made two three-pointers. Bradley had six points. Dwight had five. No one else scored on that bench. No one else scored. I'm sorry. Well, Ray John Rondo had one three-pointer made, five assists. DeAndre Jordan, two points, only two rebounds. Why? Ken Bazemore had eight points. He was cooking at first. Hit two three-pointers to start the game. But this isn't sustainable. And then in a game where Steph was pretty off, yeah, Steph had a triple-double, 21 points, 10 rebounds, 10 assists. But he shot 5 for 21 from the floor, 25% from three, only made two three-pointers. One three-pointer in the first quarter off a switch where AD didn't close out in time enough, and then he made one off a pick. In the fourth quarter. Steph Curry did not play a good game. But Jordan Poole, 20 points. Wiggins had 12 and hit some pretty decisive three points in the fourth quarter that sealed the game. They, like Lee had 15 points. Bialisa was cooking 15 points, 11 rebounds. And if you were watching that game, Bialisa was cooking. Posting up. Didn't turn around, fade away as he's Dirk Nowitzki. The Eagle Dollar comes in. He makes two three-pointers, has 12 points. That's a team. That's a team that's well-constructed around their star player. The Lakers' problem is going to be Russell Westbrook acclimating himself into this offense because of how competitive the West is. I don't know if you could just flip on a switch and figure this out. I'm starting to think that maybe getting Buddy Hield would have been the better trade for Kuzma and Harold. I actually think that that would have been the better trade because DeRozan wouldn't have worked either, but at least DeRozan can shoot a mid-range and DeRozan has the capacity to shoot three-pointers. I believe that DeRozan can become a better three-point shooter. But Russ is going gonna, gonna to be a problem. I, I agree. Y'all, y'all have convinced me. NBA Twitter has convinced me. All the folks I've talked to about basketball, they've convinced me. I think that Russ is going to be a very ill-fitted pairing on this team. And a lot of folks have been saying it in the media this morning as I record this, and I agree. Why did Russ not play with the second unit? You have Russ out there with Rondo. Basically, the second unit can be Russ's team. I would play Rondo with LeBron. And you allow LeBron to get off the ball. LeBron can maybe, you know like have his gravity get other players open, like like LeBron could possibly hit some open three-pointers. You can get LeBron in the post. I think that that's a better game plan for LeBron having Rondo play with him. And then you have Westbrook play with Malik Monk, Carmelo Anthony, 
I would say Trevor Reason when he gets back. Really, really, you, you can do Russ, Kent Bazemore, Malik Monk at, at small forward, Carmelo, and then you can have really Anthony Davis. And then that could be your second unit lineup where you have some shooting. Then you have Anthony Davis that can give you that defense on, on, on the back end. Now your perimeter defense is going to be lacking because the perimeter defense for the Lakers was terrible. But you have a defender in the paint, and then Anthony Davis can get his shot off. He can get in the post. He can make it happen. Russ does not need to play with Rondo. That is a bad idea. That's only a good idea in 2K. All right, in 2K, listen, play Rondo, play Westbrook together. But in real life, that's not a good idea. Rondo has the capacity to shoot three-pointers, but he's not a three-point marksman. They're building a wall in the paint so Westbrook won't get in there. And I agree with what Charles Barkley and Shaq said on Inside the NBA after the game. They said that when Westbrook gets the rebound, he just needs to sprint down the court and score. Don't, don't, don't wait for everybody else to get back. Don't play a half-court offense. Get down that court, speed up the pace, and dunk that ball. Do what you do best. Because they were saying, oh, Le- really getting Westbrook is an insurance policy because LeBron and Anthony Davis, they've been getting injured these past couple seasons. We want LeBron to rest up into the playoffs. Didn't seem like it last year. No, they did. Didn't seem like it this year, to be honest with you. We're going to see what happens against the Suns. I think it's going to be more of the same. I think that after looking at this game, I might want to change my prediction, but I'm going to wait until the NBA update. I'm going to wait until my color cast show. But you might see me change my tune a bit because I might tell you that the Lakers are going to lose. I might tell you that. The Suns play the Nuggets tonight. And I want to see how that game goes. Well, if Chris Paul and Booker and Aiden and Bridges, if they pick up where they left off last year and Aiden does a good job defending Jokic like he did last year, I don't know. I think the Suns might win that one. But I have to see what happens tonight, and I will be watching. But just a little preview of what's going on tonight before I go. So the game I'm going to be looking at very intently is the Bulls versus the Pistons. That's this going to be the debut of Cade Cunningham. There's also going to be the debut of the big four for the Bulls, although no one's calling them the big four. No one is calling Lonzo, DeRozan, Levine, and Vucevic a super team. And granted, they're not, but they're a great, that's probably, that might be the best starting lineup top to bottom in the NBA. I, I kid you not. And we'll see how they play together, but during the preseason, they looked really good. So I'm going to be watching that game intently. The ESPN game, Celtics, Knicks, I think that that'll be a good one. The Knicks are trying to get back right after Trey Young knocked them out in the playoffs. So I'm excited to see the Knicks versus the Celtics and then Kimba playing his old team with the Suns and the Nuggets, a rematch of the Western Conference semifinals. If the Suns play well, I think that they beat the Lakers and Lakers 0-2. But another sneaky good game at 10 p.m. If you're not trying to watch the national games, the Blazers versus the Kings. The Kings want to make the playoffs, and they have the team to make it, and De'Aaron Fox is a baller. But Dame Lillard has something to prove. Dame Lillard's name has been brought up a lot in these trade rumors, especially surrounding Ben Simmons. So Dame wants to win in Portland. He wants to stay in Portland. Dame is loyal. So I think Dame goes out there and he makes a statement. 
But that's going to be another sneaky good game. But, of course, other games tonight, you have the Pacers at the Hornets. You have the Wizards at the Raptors, the Cavaliers at the Grizzlies, the Rockets at the Timberwolves, and that will be Jalen Green's first game. And you have the 76ers versus the Zion Les Pelicans. And Ben Simmons, of course, will not be there. They'll be playing on the road against the Pelicans. And the Spurs and the Magic, the Jazz and the Thunder. So stacked night of NBA basketball. The NBA season is back. I'm so excited. I've been waiting for it. Listen, I like football, but NBA will forever have my heart. And y'all going to get some great breakdowns, man. So make sure to tune in to the NBA update on ColorCast Thursdays at 4 p.m. I will give you the recap on Pulse Radio. And make sure to follow me on ColorCast at Randall Barnes. And follow Pulse Radio 100 on Instagram, on TikTok, on Twitter, and Just Post Radio on YouTube. But outside of that, I will see you on the other side. You're listening to Pulse Radio. (laughs) 